We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Hebrews chapter 13, the Bible says these words, beginning in verse 20. This is actually the benediction, the blessing that's pronounced upon the readers at the end of this writing. We really don't know who the author of the book of Hebrews is. Some think it's Paul. Some think it's Priscilla. We really don't know because it isn't titled or named. But this is what the writer said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. There's enough stuff in that one verse to set you straight and set you right for the entirety of your life on planet earth. But then he goes on to say in verse 21, or she goes on to say in verse 21, make you complete who the God of peace. May the God of peace make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, add your anointing, your inspiration, your illumination to the ministry of your word this morning. Truly touch hearts and change lives in this place. In Jesus' name we ask it. You may be seated. I know many of you are probably not fans of biblical numerology and I haven't done a lot of study with it, but I, I have the basics down. And I know that numbers in Scripture mean things. And so when I see the number 20 as in the year 2020, I know there's a significance and there's a meaning to that number. Matter of fact, when you really do the research and study the Scripture, and I'll show this to you in just a moment, the number 20 is the number of completion. It signifies that a waiting period has ended and completion is happening. I think that's so vital for you and I to hear today. The waiting period is ended and completion is happening in 2020. I look around us today and there's a lot of room in this sanctuary. So that tells me this is the year that God is going to do a work. We've spent the last six years building and fighting. We faced a lot of giants, haven't we? But we know we serve the God who's a giant slayer and he's came through for us every single time. And I believe that 2020 will be the year of completion when God once again populates the house. And we're going to talk about that this morning. But you and I have a role. See, it isn't enough just to come into church and sit and enjoy the Word and the worship. At some point, you have got to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Jesus told the disciples in Acts chapter 2, after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall be witnesses unto me. The word witness from the Greek is martel. It means martyr. My question to you this morning is, are you willing to expend your life, give your life to bring someone else to Jesus Christ? Think about it. If every one of us just brought one, think how many people would be in this place. It would move from 400 to 800. And if everyone just brought one, it'd move from 800 to 1200. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is the year of completion. You see, this is the year. Somebody needs to hear this. This is from God. This is the year when you stop praying, God, when? And you begin declaring, God, now. Stop praying, God, when? And begin declaring, God, now. 
Now, accomplish your work, complete your work in and over our lives. God never starts something, but what He finishes it. He never begins without the ending already in sight. He never makes a promise, but what He fulfills His promise. What does the book of Numbers say about God? Chapter 23, verse 19. God is not a man that He should lie, nor the Son of man that He should repent. Has He said and will He not do? Has He spoken and will He not make good? I've come to tell you that 2020 is the year of completion. The year when God says the waiting period is over. The promise that you have clung to, held on to, the dream that's been alive in your heart but never seen, this is the year that completion occurs. In the history of the church, does this have significance? Absolutely. Did some research and went back. I wanted to see what the years 20 had to do in the previous centuries with the church. The first thing I noticed was that in 1517, Martin Luther, the great reformer, wrote his 95 thesis, and many say he tacked it to the wall of the castle of Wittenberg. We really don't know if he did that or not. But he certainly began to teach and espouse faith and grace through Jesus Christ. And we know that from 1520 to 1530, the Reformation grew like crazy, spread like wildfire across the populated Christian world. So much so that prior to 1520, there wasn't a single translation of the Scripture that the common man could read. Did you realize that? But in that 10-year period of time, no less than 10,000 translations handwritten by people like Martin Luther become available to the people of that day. 1520, think about that. And then you can move on. And you can see the year 1620. Great significance for us living in the United States of America because in 1620, a ship called the Mayflower landed at a place called Plymouth Rock and, and there were pilgrims on that ship who were seeking and searching for freedom to worship God as they desired out from under the thumb and the rule of the Church of England. And you know the rest of that story. The Puritans, the pilgrims, brought revival to America, a whole other way of worshiping God. And then you can jump to 1720. 1720 through 1750 was a great awakening in the United States, actually the second great awakening in the world. In that period of time, you had revivals where men preached like the Wesleys and Methodism came to light and began to take root during that period of time. Great revival swept across the world. And then you can jump to 1820. And from 1820 to 1850, another great revival swept this continent led by men like Charles Finney, men like Lyman Beecham, Preaching the Word of God has never been heard to the memory of those individuals who were hearing. And revival swept the continent again. And then in 1920, there came a wave that you and I are yet a part of today, a wave of Pentecostalism. Now, I know the history in 1901, January 1st, a little lady by the name of Agnes Osborne was praying in a school at 17th and Stone in Topeka, Kansas. I used to pastor there. I went to 17th and Stone often and prayed and sought God. It's now a Catholic facility, but at that time it was a school. And when she was praying, seeking God for what is the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, she began speaking in another tongue. 
from that place and that little school in Topeka, Kansas, that revival of Pentecostalism spread across the nation. And from 1906 to 1915, the revival that we know as Azusa Street, which happened in Los Angeles, revitalized, filled with fire and power, people from across the nation and across the world. And from 1920 to 1930, we saw the great Pentecostal movement spring up across the United States and across the world. So much so that today, there are no less than 500 million Pentecostals worshiping God around the world. And then we come to 2020. We come to what I believe is the year of completion. We come to what I believe is the year that God desires to once again pour out His latter rain. Once again, God wants to renew and revive His church. Once again, God wants to prove He is faithful and He is just to do the things that He has prophesied and promised. Look back through the Scriptures. You'll see in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 and 19, says these words, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding, Abraham concluding, that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. You know the story. God says, sacrifice your son. He took him to Mount Moriah. And there on Mount Moriah, he built the altar. He had the coals and the wood. And he laid his son, his only begotten son, his son of promise, on that altar. And as he was ready to raise the knife and take his life, God said, stop, and there was a ram caught in the thicket. Now listen to me. Thousands of years later, God himself gave his only son, who wasn't the ram, but who was the lamb of God, on that same hill called Mount Moriah, Mount Calvary, for your sins and for mine. I'm telling you, he's a God of completion. What he started and foreshadowed with Abraham, he completed in Jesus Christ. And what you have believed, what you have hoped, what you have held on to, the promise that's in your heart, the dream that's in your life, he is a God of completion. Somebody get that in your spirit today. He's a God of completion. Back in the Old Testament, for 20 years, Jacob waited for the wife of his love and for the property that had been promised to him. Waited to be freed from the control of his father-in-law Laban and pursue the plan of God upon his life. That's Genesis 31. You'll read it there. For 20 years, the children of Israel waited to be freed from Jabin, the king of Canaan, who oppressed them. And God's response after that 20 years was to raise up the judges, Deborah and Barak, who freed the people from that bondage. Judges 4 and 5 is where you'll find it. In the days of Samuel, the Philistines battled the Israelites. They overcame them. They defeated them. And they took the ark of God. Everybody knows the ark of God represented in that time the presence of God. They took the presence of God, the ark of God, to a Philistine city. But after seven months, they had so many calamities, so many disasters, they recognized they had to get rid of that thing. So it went back to a city in Israel, and it sat there for 20 years until it was brought back into the city of Jerusalem. There's something about the number 20 that speaks completion into our lives. 
The waiting period has been completed. Look around you at the condition of the world today. We see it unfolding even now. Many are upset, many are concerned about the events of this past week when a major terrorist was killed by our military. Can I tell you, everything you see happening in the Mideast and on the world scene is simply leading up to the return of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's leading up to the completion of the church age and the age of grace to the completion of God's plan. Oh, come on, folks, wake up. You need to recognize this is the year of completion. Now, I'm not saying Christ is coming back in 2020. I'm not that foolish. But I am telling you, some things are going to happen in the world since that bring completion to God's plan. And you better be alert and you better be aware. There is no need to fear. There is a need to worship Him and praise Him and thank Him that we're moving into a year of completion. A year when He does what He said He will do. Not long ago, Yvonne and I stood on Mount Carmel. And from Mount Carmel... You can look down the Valley of Jezreel. The Valley of Jezreel is also known as the Valley of Armageddon. It's the place of the final battle on planet Earth. When the nations and the armies of the world gather against Israel to defeat it and to wipe it off the map, have you noticed that that's the talk today? Let's wipe Israel off the map. Let's kill every Jew. I've got news for you. It doesn't matter what man thinks. God already has a plan and his plan will be completed and the nation of Israel will be protected in that period and in that time. See, in that valley, the Bible says the nations of the earth will gather against Israel, but they don't know that there is another fighting for Israel because the book of Revelation tells me one will come on a white horse who has King of Kings and Lord of Lords written upon his thigh. His vesture is dipped in blood. He will wage war against the enemies of God and the enemies of Israel. And once for all, he will defeat those enemies. Oh, come on, church. Think about it. A year of completion. A year when God does what he said he's going to do. And again, I am not saying Jesus is coming this year. But I'm saying it will be a year of completion in many of our hearts, in many of our lives. We're still on the Temple Mountain. As most of you know, the Temple Mount is now controlled by Muslims. When the Muslims took Jerusalem, they determined that it was from the Temple Mount, actually from the place where the Holy of Holies actually stood, that their prophet Muhammad ascended into heaven to receive instruction and then came back down. So they built a mosque called the Dome of the Rock. Most of you have seen that or seen pictures of it. I said to our guide who is Jewish, I said, so I know my theology and what Revelation teaches me is that at some point the temple will be rebuilt, the Antichrist will sit upon the throne, but after three and a half years Jesus will return, or excuse me, after seven years Jesus will return, defeat him and occupy that throne. So in Jewish theology, when's that going to happen? When will the Antichrist sit on the throne? Listen to me. This is what he said. He already is. You need to think about that because there's a great truth in that statement. He already is. I don't know the timeline. I don't know exactly how it's going to happen. But I know God will complete the plan that is set in place. And I know that those of us 
who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior can look forward to the day when the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. Then the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet him in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Somebody ought to shout. He will complete his plan. He will complete his plan. So the question this morning is, what promise has God spoken into your life? What dream have you held that's never been fulfilled? What promise have you clung to waiting to see it happen? This is the year you stop saying, God, when? And start declaring, now. 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 In your heart and in your life. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 through 39, the writer said, Do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. You have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. The message says, excuse me, let me read the next verse. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. The message translates that verse, but you need to stick it out, staying with God's plan. So you'll be there for the promised completion. Somebody in this room, that verse is for you. You've been on the brink of giving up. You're ready to throw in the towel. You're in and say, this just doesn't work for me. I have come to tell you this morning, you have need of patience so that you can see the promise fulfilled in your life. 2020 is a year of completion. Don't draw back, but be of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Stick it out. Stick it out. Stay with God's plan so you'll be there for the promised completion. It won't be long now. He's on the way. He'll show up any minute is what the message says. We need to hear it today. We need to recognize this isn't the day to quit. This is the day to double down. This isn't the day to throw in the towel. This is the day to wipe the sweat and the blood off your face and say, devil, you may have boogered me up, but I got news for you. I am a victor. I am a champion. I am an overcomer. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the kingdom of God. Oh, somebody, don't give up. Double down, reach in, press on, and see what God does in your life. You see, the King James says, we should be of those who believe to the saving of the soul. So my question is, are you of those who believe? Do you believe the plan of God? Do you believe the promise of God? Do you believe God will complete what He's declared in and over your life? Are you of those who believe? Or are you of those who draw away? to the perdition of the soul. Are you of those who believe? Nehemiah chapter 4 has some real interesting things that we need to look at and consider. You know the story. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king, Nebuchadnezzar. He had been carried away into captivity when the Babylonians raided Jerusalem and destroyed it. So Nehemiah, as the cupbearer to the king, was serving the king day and night. And one day he heard that Jerusalem was in ruins. The walls were destroyed. Nothing was being done for it. And he was grieved in his spirit because that was his home. That was the city of David. That was the city of God. 
And it grieved him to hear that statement. And it says that the king noticed he was grieved. Something was wrong. His countenance was sad. And he asked him what was going on. And he told him. Nehemiah told him. So the king actually gave him permission to go back to Jerusalem. Gave him letters of authority to get whatever he needed to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then in chapter 4 it says, Sanballat, who happened to live in that area around Jerusalem, heard that they were rebuilding the wall and he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. He said in verse 2, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Oh, listen to me. I read that verse a few weeks ago. God began speaking to my heart. He said, there are people in this city who have said of Christian Heritage Church, it will never be rebuilt. It's just a pile of burned out stones. It will never regain where it once was. I come to tell you today, God's looking for wall builders. God's looking for men and women who will stand up and say, we believe the word of God. And God will complete what he's promised. Verse 6, Nehemiah said, so we built the wall. And the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. We built the wall and it was joined together up to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. Listen, God isn't satisfied with halfway. God isn't a halfway God. He wasn't satisfied with the walls of Jerusalem being halfway to their height. He wasn't satisfied with the effort that got it there. He's not a halfway God. He doesn't take you halfway and then leave you. Oh, somebody hear me. This is from the Holy Ghost today. God is saying, I am not a halfway God. I will finish what I started. I will make a way where there seems to be no way. I will be your miracle worker. I will be your way maker. Oh, somebody get it in your spirit. Get rid of that stinking thinking. I've come to tell you today, I don't serve a halfway God. I'm not satisfied with a half-finished work. The walls are halfway up. It's time to press on. It's time to press in. We won a great victory last year. Our word last year was overflow. Remember that? And we saw an overflow. Eight million dollars of debt written off. That's a wonderful thing. We should rejoice. And we did. But folks, we still have to deal with the five and a half million that's out there. And I believe this year, God is going to show us how to deal with the debt in such a way that it doesn't hamstring the growth of this church, in such a way it doesn't prohibit him from doing what he wants to do through this church, to this city. I believe God can say to someone, give it and pay it off. I believe God can raise up people in this place who will say, I'll give a thousand, I'll give two thousand, I'll give ten thousand a month. Whatever we need, God will do it to make it happen. Because he's not a halfway God. He didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't bring us this far to abandon us. This church is 106 years old. God has graced it. He didn't bring us to 2020 so we could fold up and shut down. He brought us to 2020. Oh, hear me. He brought us to 2020 so he could complete what he began in a mighty, miraculous, wonderful way. He is not a halfway God. 
He is not a halfway God. I believe that God is going to do something that's going to blow our socks off. We continue to read through Nehemiah chapter 4. You know what Nehemiah said when these guys were coming against him? You feeble Jews, you can't rebuild that wall. He said, we prayed. And then after we prayed, we worked. And then you can read it in verse 14. He reminded them why they were doing it. I need to remind some of you why we are here. He said in that verse, fight for your brethren. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. Fight for your houses. Oh, can I tell you, it's more than just you. You've got family. You've got friends. You've got relatives who need to know Jesus Christ. It's time to stand up and pick up the sword of the Lord and fight the forces of darkness to see them brought into the kingdom. He said, it's time you fight. It's what Nehemiah told him. The Bible goes on to say in chapter 6, verses 15 through 16, these words. So the wall was finished in 52 days. And those around them, their enemies, perceived this was the work of God. Can I tell you, folks, that when God chooses to repopulate this house, when the year of completion comes and God brings people in from the north, the south, the east, and the west, you see, one of Isaiah's, or one of Nehemiah's concerns was that no one was living in Jerusalem. But God repopulated that house because you can read it later on. It says that one of every ten moved into the city and made it their residence. Oh, hear me. God will repopulate this house. He is bringing people in from every direction to see Him do a mighty thing. And then they will say, this is a work of God. I told you six years ago, six years ago next Sunday, we're coming to do one thing, and one thing only, and that's follow God. That's all we're going to do. I know some have been frustrated with that. I had a man sit in my office and say, you need a five-year plan, a ten-year plan. No, I need a God plan. I need to hear from God. I need to do what God is telling me to do. Now let me pass that on to you. Because there are some in this place, God's been talking to you about getting off your seat and getting in the fight. He's been talking to you about plugging into areas of ministry that will make a difference in our community. Stop waiting. Stop declaring and praying when and begin declaring, now is the time I'm going to get in the fight and fight for my house and for my wife and for my sons and for my daughters and for my brothers and for my sisters. I'm going to fight to see God's kingdom built. It's time for you and I to ask ourselves, are we ready? for that moment for God to do what He said He would do. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church 
Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.